0: The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church.
1: Women of the Word, Sunday, August twenty seventh, two 2023. In, and hope that captures everything. Um, let's pray. Father God, you are um, our example of how to love one another. You are a God who first loved us so that we are able to love one another. Lord, as we dive deeply into this topic of biblical friendships and how to grow together, how to love one another, how to encourage one another, Lord, and even how to admonish and rebuke one another out of love. Lord, we know that you are our model, you are our guide, and you will give us all of the equipping we need to do that. And so I pray that this time would be one of encouragement, one of equipping, Lord, and um, one that would move us to act, one that would, a time that would move us to examine our friendships more closely, Lord, and ourselves as friends more closely, Lord, maybe first and foremost, that the encouragement is. What kind of friend am I, Lord? And help us each ask that question of ourselves so that we will be, as you command us to be, more others-minded, more loving, and more interested in those around us.
0: Um,
1: because as we are learning Lord, um, it is our interest in others that causes them to feel loved. So, Lord, help us and um, just be with us during this hour that we would learn to love you more, first and foremost. Thanks your son, my friend.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: All right, so I'm curious, before we start, um, have any of you found yourself thinking about your friendships a little differently over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks?
0: So, I've just been here one week, but um, last night we took her daughter and son in law out to dinner, mm-hmm. and she's one that just recently married. Okay, and um, she knows about the Lord and all of that, but she's kind of walked away from it. Not that she doesn't believe, but she's not being obedient, right? right. So, um, and her husband is not um, probably a believer. Um, but just a kind, decent man, but we're working in and trying to encourage them to, you know, I don't even think he knows what's thoughts So anyways, long and short is, most of the time we get together, there's are but we just have the four of us, so last night we were trying to think of questions like Jamie had brought out about, okay, how can we take this a little bit deeper level so uh, Michael posted, and Michael and I were dialoguing about it, and Michael posed the question to them. So now that you two have been married about five or six months, um, how are how would how would you say things are going with your marriage in regards to um, <coughs> compatibility in that and. And so they started to develop some things, and it was real positive. And unfortunately, the group next to us was very loud, so it was <coughs> hard to hear. So we just—I I would say—we just took it a little, a notch a little deeper. Um, have to really be careful because family and your grown children. You can't just approach them like you could somebody else. It's a little trickier, so we're working on it, and I feel like at least we're moving in the right direction because basically the next conversation needs to be: so what would you? Say, how would you define the gospel? You know, but we not quite there yet, but we're working towards it. So that was kind of encouraging and exciting. But i was thinking at least cognitively about yes. the things we discussed. That's great. That's great, and
1: causing you guys to ask questions in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. That will get them talking. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. Anybody else have any opportunities to... Carol? I
0: haven't had any opportunities, but I'm thinking ahead about a family gathering, and it's very difficult to have spiritual conversations with my family. Even though there's a few scattered Christians, nobody else... I don't know if anybody else ever thinks... (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> it's always in this class. Sorry, I just thought he was bringing you something. I did too. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> fine. so anyway, So I've been trying to think ahead. Yeah. How can I? What kind of questions can I ask? Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, innocently throw out there. Yeah. To get a conversation going. Yeah. Nice, Hi, how are you? Well, yeah. what are your kids doing? Well, yeah. what? You know, blah blah blah. Same yeah. stuff to hear all the time. I'd like to have yeah. conversation
1: about that. I would really recommend to you guys, <laughs> even if you don't get the book, which you don't have to, um, go to her website and download what? Professor Holloman's 100 favorite questions to ask to get to know her students or anyone. Um, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is like, okay, so you throw this question out and somebody gives you all this information or they don't give you any information, yeah. what do you do next? You know, because we, okay, like, I'm going to ask this question. And then you ask the question, it's like, okay, so I could go with a social question, an emotional question, a physical question, a cognitive question, a volitional question, or a spiritual question. I have no idea what to say next, right? Yeah. So be patient with yourself. Like, if you're new to this, it takes time. But she's great questions. Um, for example, one of hers that I loved that I'm going to ask some of you that are my younger friends. For high school and college age students, she loves to ask them, what's your favorite way to procrastinate? <laughs> and I flash back to my college self, I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have had so many answers. Yeah. But what she's asking them is, like, when you really don't want to do something, what do you do instead? Yeah. And you can learn a lot from so- about somebody, right? Like, even adults, what do you do? What's your favorite way to procrastinate, yeah. right? And we yeah. can learn a lot about one another that way. Um,
0: what's her name again? Heather
1: Holloman. And how do you spell the last? H-O-L-L-E-M-A-N. So anyway, she has just great questions. Like, for example, so I want you to just, you don't have to say it out loud, but think about the answer to this. Um, what movie do you think everyone should see? Like, these are not gospel questions, right? What movie do you think everyone should see? So think about that. Now, What movie do you think nobody should see? Like, the movie that you walked away and just said, like, because I've said, like, that's two hours of my life I can never get back, right? So think about where you could go with those. Like, hmm, that's a really interesting choice. Like, why that movie? Now you've got a conversation, right? Now you're learning something about somebody. Like, what's the one movie they think nobody should miss and why? That's an interesting question. Like, I kind of want to know that now. But anyway, she has, like, all these great questions. And some that aren't great, but some that are really good. And one of the things that I really have enjoyed about learning a little bit about her is um, her spiritual gift is evangelism. So she's always looking for an opportunity for the gospel. Even with these questions that seemingly, like, don't get you to the gospel, Um, Brian Sayers recommended a question for newly marrieds that just flashed into my head. He said, ask a young married person um, or a newer newly married person, what's been the biggest surprise to you in married life? And that'll tell you a lot about people, right? So, ooh, that's interesting, especially if it was the same for both of them. Like, ooh, so how are you managing that in your marriage? now you kind of have a gospel opportunity, right? So if your spiritual gift is evangelism, we're all called to evangelize, but if that's your spiritual gift and you're looking for those doors to open with people, um, she has just some great questions to ask of anybody, even your closest friends. You'll think like, oh, I have no idea what the best movie they would recommend is. And then go watch it. And then go, okay, so I watched that movie. Let's talk about it, right? So just there's opportunities everywhere. Um, so... Have you found yourself, and this is just more a question for you to consider, like, have you found yourself working a little bit harder to go a little bit deeper in some of your friendships? Or have you found yourself um, thinking about, like, when you meet someone new, like, hmm, do I want to learn about this person? Um, Because you can go deeper a lot faster if you're just asking good questions and having good conversations. Um, So turn with me, if you would, right now. We're going to step away from her book for a minute to um, the book of John. And we're going to look at um, chapter 15, but we're going to kind of start in 14 and look a little bit at the context. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with this passage, but we're going to refresh a little bit to what we're building up to. Um, Jesus is calling us in the beginning of 15 to abide in him as a branch abides in its vine, receives its nourishment, and then bears the fruit it was created to bear. So this chapter... Just follows his revelation to his own earthly closest friends, right, to all of the disciples that he was going to be leaving. But he makes them a promise in chapter 14, verse 16. Um, Becky, would
0: you read that? Sure. In chapter 14? Yes. Verse 16? Yes. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever.
1: Okay. Does anybody have a different translation that gives a different word for advocate?
0: Morning. New American Standard, I will ask the Father, and
1: he will give you another helper. Helper. He may be with you forever. Okay, Brittany, what translation do you have? It, helper. It's helper in ESV. Okay, so advocate, helper, um, and counselor, so... Counselor, 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 comforter, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are given this promise just as they were given this promise. These two chapters, 14 and 15, are filled with... The love of the Father toward his Son, the love of the Son toward his Father, um, and their love for us, also the link between our love and our obedience, right? And we're commanded, um, this most important command is to love whom first and foremost? The Lord our God, right? With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, who are we to love? our neighbors. How? As ourselves. much as we love ourselves, because we love ourselves a whole lot, right? Um, Okay, so we see love, right? Like, love is all over these two chapters. In 1427, he switches gears a little bit. Um, Brittany, would you read 14, verse
0: 27? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled.
1: Okay, so peace, recognize this, it's the biblical antidote to fear and anxiety, right? Like this is the biblical antidote. Um, So we saw love first, we saw peace. Um, Now let's look at chapter 15. Uh, Lisa, would you read verse 11 in chapter 15? And this is still Jesus speaking. These things I have spoken to you that you may that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So it's his joy that he desires to be in us and that our joy may be full. So we see love, we see peace, we see joy. Anybody catching the string here? What is it? It's the, the fruit of the
0: spirit, right?
1: This is what he desires for us in friendship. Love, joy, peace. And then he goes on in Galatians, right? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. control. These are the gifts he gives us with the promised Holy Spirit for our relationships, Our relationship with him and our relationships with each other. So we're set. We do it perfectly, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We don't do it perfectly because we sin, right? But with his provision of the Holy Spirit. For each one of us and each one of our close friends, and we are told in Psalm 19 that our closest companions ought to also love the Lord our God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I'm talking about biblical friendships between Christians, between believers, right? Mm -hmm. Which of us wouldn't be forgiving if our friend came and said, that was so rude and selfish, and I was not loving or joyful or peaceful. I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? Which of you wouldn't forgive your friend if she came and said that? Right? I'm not talking about the pattern of a lifestyle. I'm talking about, like, ooh, you're having a bad day. But later she comes back and mm-hmm. says that to you. Which of us wouldn't? restore that loving, peaceful, joyful friendship and relationship. Jesus sure did, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was kind even when he outed Judas to himself at the Last Supper, right? He didn't call him out in front of everybody and send him out of the room. He just said, like, one of you has already betrayed me, and I know who you are, right? You know, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, but I'm not taking too many liberties. But um, <laughs> let's get back to this. So, um, this love, this joy, this peace, it's through this whole, all, both of these chapters. So the context always helps us better understand the larger meaning of a passage. So he gives us these truths as a comfort as he gives us the command to love one another, and he shows us really specifically what it looks like. So now that we've seen these threads of love and joy and peace running through, Let's read the verses that I wanted to get to. So we're in chapter 15, um, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 17, because we're talking about friendship, and this is our ultimate example of the friend. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. so that you will love one another. This is our best friend telling us how to deal with our earthly good friends, right? And he's the one that empowers and equips us to do it by the power of his Holy Spirit, who he promised and he sent and lives inside each one of us right now as we strive to, first and foremost, be better friends. Because that's the goal. Let's be good friends first. And then we'll know how to make good friends and gather good friends. And, you know, if you have a good friend who's really hard to engage in conversation, guess what happens Is you engage her in conversation? You model for her what that looks like. We're not all good at this naturally, right? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and you ask them question after question after question and pretty soon you feel more like an interrogator than you do like a friend trying to get to know someone? Not everybody's good at the give and take. Not everybody's good at asking questions. Not everybody's good at these things. And that's okay because we're all created just as we are to be, and we're all growing. So part of this is growing together to learn how to love one another more and be better friends as Jesus was our friend. And so that's that laying down your life for your friends is going to look different with different friends. Some are going to need different things from you or want different things from you um, because we're all wired a little bit differently. So in different friendships, that's going to look different. Um, but if we're prayerful about our relationships, we'll know what that looks like. Um, we just have to get out of ourselves. Jamie talked about Philippians too, right? Honoring one another more highly than we're honoring ourselves. And if we're really honest with each other, um, we're probably more selfish in our friendships than we are others minded. Some of us, not all of us. Some of you are very good at being others minded. Um, But I will confess my selfishness. So um, we just need to examine ourselves and know where that is and what that looks like. All right. So we're going to take a little deeper dive into um, these six conversations. I'm not going to focus so much on those six categories, although... I'll give you a few examples of what that looks like in conversation out of her book. Um, But I did want to just review really quickly those mindsets. Um, We'll give you a caveat. If you decide to buy this book, the beginning of the book, she leans very heavily into social studies, like actual studies that have been done, Sociology, sociology, those types of things. But if you read it closely, the biblical truths are there. They really are. So those four mindsets are, and I'm going to show you that in just one minute. They, do you guys remember what the four
0: mindsets were? Um, is that the constancy, candor,
1: counsel? So
0: those were the
1: aspects of friendship that Jonathan Holmes outlined in this book, The Company That We Keep. Um, but go ahead. What are those four characteristics of good friends?
0: Um, constancy, mm-hmm. candor for carefulness, counsel.
1: Okay, yeah. so those were these, and there's been a lot of things thrown, so that's why I wanted to kind of slow down and review today. But those are the four aspects of friendship, and if any of you weren't here for the last two weeks, um, all the messages that Jamie did, and actually moving forward, this class will be on our church's website. As soon as I figure out where, I'll let you know, but you can go back and listen to all of these yourselves. Um, this is an excellent book, and it's a short read, but power-packed. Um, So I just wanted to give you that heads up on this one. You might think, like, ooh, she's not very biblical or very deep. She gets there. Just bear with the book a little bit. Um, So those four mindsets were interpersonal curiosity, like be curious about others, right? And I think we naturally are pretty curious. But be curious to get to know someone um, because there are good and bad motives for being curious. So be curious with the best motives in mind. Um, believe the best about others, right, which she calls, sociologists call, having positive regard for other people. Um, But God calls it believing the best about one another. She talks about expressing concern, which is investing in others, right? If they're your good friend, what matters to them matters to you. Um, And sharing your life. And we should get to that point of Transparency and vulnerability—we're called to that biblically. Um, it's easier for some than it is for others. So just think about—you know—if your friendships are kind of at a stall, ask yourself: Like, am I letting people into my life? Am I being real with them? Because we need that from one another. So she asks a couple of questions that I thought were really good to examine those four areas. When was the last time you felt truly cared for? Because of the questions someone asked you about your life. So who's going deeper with you? Who's asking you to get to that next level of friendship? When was the last time you felt that another person was looking out for your interests, wanting you to succeed, and figuring out ways to personally encourage you? I think that it's easy to encourage someone when somebody tells us what they're struggling with. We don't all want to tell everybody what we're struggling with. But if we're asking good questions and trying to, like, go deeper with people, we're going to know how to encourage them because it's just going to be part of that conversation. We're going to be sharing with one another the things that we're struggling with. Um, So if someone comes to mind immediately, go thank them and tell them, I appreciate what a good friend you are to me. You're encouraging me. You're challenging me. You're interested in me. Um, So we want to be curious, believe the best, and express concern. Um, We want to listen in order to understand, support, encourage, and inspire others. So I did want to read you what she had to say on that and the biblical connection. She says, as I continued to grow in the art of loving conversation, I found so much biblical support for the four mindsets. Paul's command to discover the interests of others related directly to my becoming a curious person. Honoring others related to positive regard, and I found more commands to walk, quote, with humility toward one another, end quote, 1 Peter 5.5. Paul even tells us in Romans 12.10 to, quote, outdo one another in showing honor. But what about the idea of investment and expressing concern about others? Paul tells us to, quote, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, Romans 12.15. And, Galatians 6, 2, to carry one another's burdens. How would I know how to rejoice if I never asked about anyone's good news? How would I encourage and comfort others if I never asked about how they're struggling? And most vitally, how could I continue in my past ways of selfishness if I ever wanted to uphold Jesus' command to love one another as he has loved me? And that's John 15:12 that we just read. So um, think about those things, and then we move into sharing our lives with others as well. Um, she talks about this vulnerability and calls it a command, and it is. She said, finally, consider the command to share our lives in verses like James 5.16, 5, quote, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, end quote. Telling other people how we're struggling invites this kind of prayer and healing. It's also a way to allow the often quoted verse in Proverbs 27:17 to come about. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Allowing this sharpening involves humility and the willingness to live vulnerably. Paul seems especially passionate about the importance of sharing one's life as he penned the first letter to the Thessalonian church. He explains how delighted and ready he was in 2.8 to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Let me get down just a little bit. If we look deeper into this idea of sharing our own selves from a biblical perspective, we should consider John 17 and the way Jesus prays for believers. He prays that we would be one together just as the Father was in him. Think about the commands in Scripture to have unity of mind, 1 Peter 3.8, to see ourselves as one body who are members one of another, Romans 12.5, to understand our baptism into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 1 Corinthians 12.13, and to live so interconnected that if someone suffers, all suffer together, and if someone is honored, all rejoice together, 1 Corinthians 12.26. She says, the Bible presents us with a new model of connection to see ourselves sharing our lives and becoming part of one another. The biblical writers lay this foundation for interconnection that social scientists prove over and over again in studies the relational closeness. And we shouldn't be surprised that the science bears that out because God is the one that created us. He knows how life works best. He knows how we work. And she doesn't even mention all the passages in Ephesians 4 um, about the unity of the body. So if it's difficult for you to share what's happening in your life, um, think about Jamie's challenge at the end of our time together last week. Think about what are three things you're struggling with? What are three things you're celebrating or you're happy about? And what are three upcoming decisions or areas of uncertainty you have that um, we're probably all naturally strong in one or more of these areas and weaker in another. Um, and in her book, she kind of gives an inventory and walks you through some questions to figure that out. Um, so if you're interested in that, I have a copy of it. Um, but I love C.S. Lewis's quote. He sums it up really nicely. And this is just in regards to that, like, being transparent and vulnerable with another. He says, quote, Friendship, I have said, is born at the moment when one man says to another, What? You too? I thought no one but myself. Because we're struggling with the same things, ladies. We are. Um, It looks different in each of our lives, but at the end of the day, we're struggling with the same things. They're all right here, um, so why not come alongside one another? People will open up when you open up, right? People allow you to get more deeply involved in their lives when you allow them to get more deeply involved in yours. Not that it's a, like, quid pro quo or anything like that. It's just human nature, right? We allow each other into our lives um, when there's Trust. Jamie said something last week about, like, even if we just look for people that we can trust more, It's like all we get out of this on friendship, praise the Lord. Because we have a confidant. We have a close friend that we can go to when things are hard. Um, we all need that.
0: Um, May I ask you a question? Yes, yeah, please. Um, she listed, I had five of the things, and I don't know if there were six in the list list yes last week social emotional physical cognitive spiritual volitional
1: which is decisions right
0: okay. so
1: um how many of you have heard it said either to yourself to your child or to a child because we do this a lot um something about like a compliment about clothes right like oh i love your dress Right? Where does that go in a conversation? Not really anywhere. Yeah. What if instead you said, oh, I love that dress. Tell me the story how you got that dress. Or how did you decide to buy that dress? Who were you shopping with when you bought that dress? That's social, right? How does that dress make you feel? Because you look like you're pretty confident today. That's emotional, right? So it just it requires thought mm-hmm. to think through some of these things. I have a really good friend who was excellent at um, training her children in turning physical compliments into things that God values, people would tell her kids that they were really cute all the time, and I would hear her often as people walked away. Say to her child, um, "I love that people see the joy of the Lord in your face." She's like, "Because if you were on the floor throwing a fit, people wouldn't say that to you. But you're expressing the joy of the little kids. Like you're expressing the joy of the Lord, and they just saw that in your face." That's why they said how cute you look. They just, you know, they know what God thinks, but I wanted you to know what God thinks. Like, that's such a sweet compliment. Like, do we compliment each other on physical appearance or on character? It's harder. It takes more thought with a child, right? Um, But complimenting their character, complimenting the things that they're doing, um, you know, not like, oh, I, I really appreciate your help. Not that that's that. I really appreciate your help. Um, you're so generous to give your time right now because I know you could be with your friends, but I'm so thankful for you. Right? What child wouldn't appreciate that and probably jump at the opportunity to help again, Mm -hmm. right? And then go tell their mom. We have some really sweet senior saints who come to me sometimes after Super Senior Sunday and say, I just have to tell you something about your son, which mom makes us all do what? (laughs) Right? For just like a moment until you see that they're happy, they have a happy face. Um, But a couple of times, Um, one in particular said, your son appeared out of nowhere when I was getting ready to go and picked up all my things off the table and just looked at me and said, I'm going to walk you to your car. Where's that parked? Do you know how happy that made my mama heart to hear? He doesn't always do that for me, (laughs) but I'm so thankful that he's doing it for someone else. Like something is sticking, right? So if you see kids doing gracious and generous and kind things, go tell their moms after you tell them because it blesses
0: us to know that. And what were the categories
1: of those six things? What was the title? Conversation. So asking questions in those, those categories. categories. Yeah, asking questions in those categories. And you'll see, like when you print this, she doesn't categorize them that way, but it becomes pretty obvious okay. pretty quick, um, like kind of which ones fall into which. And we don't necessarily have to categorize them yeah. all that way, um, but it's just good to think through like different directions we can go with things. So, um, it can be really scary to open yourself up, right? And be transparent and be vulnerable and put something out there. Um, Don't do it physically, but in your heart, raise your hand if you've ever been betrayed by a good friend. It's probably almost everyone in this room, right? If you're struggling to remember, think so when you were a teenager, it will probably become more clear. So what happens when we're betrayed? Human nature, what do we do? We put up walls, right? We, we put up walls and we have this invisible barrier and we're not going to let anybody in anymore because that person or that group of people or whatever betrayed us. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on people, right? Find your trusted people, right? God doesn't want us to have friendships that are an inch deep and a mile wide. He does want us to have those friendships but he really wants us to have Friendships that go very, very deep. Friendships that when the thing happens again, you can simply pick up your phone and say, would you please pray for me? It's one of those nights, And she'll know. She'll know exactly how to pray for you in that moment. And then you feel it. And then you've turned your own mind back to the Lord because you've asked for prayer. Right? So you're going to handle it. We need those people in our lives. Um, not that those friendships are exclusively by text, of course, but in those most difficult moments, do you know who to reach out to for prayer so that they can be your partner? Um, Jesus was betrayed by his closest earthly friends, and I'm not just talking about Judas. Who else betrayed him?
0: Peter,
1: Peter, three times. But he knew it was coming, and what did he do? How did he handle that with Peter?
0: He restored
1: How many times? Like three times? Three times! He restored him! Right? How often are we to forgive as Christians? There's a number in the Bible. How many?
0: Seven
1: 70 times, times, seven, times 7, right? Which always. means, yeah, always. We're not supposed to keep a tally until mm-hmm. we get to 491 and go, ah,
0: done! I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. There was also a betrayal in the Garden of Gethsemane with the three that he took with him that said, Watch with me and pray. What did they do? They went to sleep. They did not.
1: Yeah. And sometimes we fall down on the job for our friends too, right? Do we want them to build up walls and keep us out because we've fallen down on the job or we've not done the things that we were supposed to do? We don't, Right. So we have to be careful and remember his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And what are his thoughts? Love one another. Lay your life down for your friends. And know who those deepest, closest friends are. He has given us his all-sufficient manual that has all things for life and godliness, right? His divine power, which is through his word, through the power of his Holy Spirit. We have everything that we need. We just need to tap into it maybe more. I do. Um, so, I guess that's a question for you. Like, do you just need to tap into it more? Um, or are you perfectly content with all the friendships that you have? Um, so, she kind of goes on in her book to say there's these threefold goals of having better conversations that lead to stronger relationships. And again, these are going to sound very familiar because they're very biblical. Right? What do you want from your friends when you're having a really hard day? If you could sum it up in one word, what would you like? Patience. Prayer. Patience. Listening. Listening.
0: Hard truth.
1: Okay, hard truth, that candor that we talked about, speaking truth and love, right, at the right moment, being careful to make sure it's the right time for that hard truth right? Because Job's friends were the wisest for those first few days when they did what? Shut their mouths and said nothing. They were just there. They were with him in his really hard time. But there is a time to speak. There's a time to speak truth. They didn't exactly speak rightly when they opened their mouths, but um, but we do need to speak, right? So we want encouragement from our friends, right? We want them to bear burdens with us, as Galatians 6 2 says. It's, We should want to bear their burdens with them.
0: There's another aspect of that, too, that is asking, having your friend ask you questions so that you can figure out what's going on instead of telling you this is what you need to do.
1: Yes. Um, She talks in her book, I'm not going to get into it today, but she talks in her book about some pitfalls of um, relational conversations. Um, and she used to err on the side of advice giving. She would start giving advice right away. Um, the conference that we attended on biblical counseling, um, mm-hmm. the guy who was doing it said, we did an observation of a biblical counseling um, session, I don't know what else to call it, um, and he said most brand new people, when they're being observed, they start talking within 10 minutes, and they start giving advice. And so anyway, that was her mode. She would give advice. Because how many of you in the room raise your hand? How many of us are problem solvers? And all the moms in the room almost raise their hands, right? Like, we want to solve each other's problems. We want to be helpful. Um, but she started asking people, and I thought this was a great question. Would you like me to give you some advice, or would you just like me to ask you some more questions? Every single person said, will you just ask me some more questions? She goes, sure. So she just kept asking questions, and they oftentimes came to their own conclusions because she probably asked some questions that were leading them to some biblical truths. So we have to know, like, what what do they want from us right now? I learned very early in marriage to ask, did you want me to give you my opinion, or did you just want me to listen? And almost every time, my husband said, just listen. Okay. (laughs) Good. We're good. We know what the expectation is right now, right? Manage your expectations. I know what you want from me. I'm just going to sit and listen, no matter how hard it is. But sometimes that <laughs> our friends, just want us to ask questions, or they just want us to listen, or they just want us to be quiet. Um, and so listen for the prompting of the Spirit when he wants us to speak. Um, so encouragement, or what she calls refreshment, and I love that word. Um, we want to encourage the one we're with. We want to be encouraged by the one we're with. Like, think about someone you enjoy spending time with. Is it someone you frequently feel encouraged by? Think about how do they encourage you, right? Are you encouraging them? How are you encouraging them? Are they being encouraged? Because our intent doesn't always match our impact on other people, right? We might think we're being super encouraging, but what we're actually doing is like bringing a hammer down on an already hard situation and we might not be encouraging so we need to sometimes check in and ask Um, growth we value friendship with someone who encourages us they're probably encouraging us to grow in our relationship with Christ Jesus did that all the time he was always pointing people back to the Father in his earthly ministry Um, and he's given us the Holy Spirit right? And I love the third one. She talks about marveling together, and really, it's worship, right? Are we worshiping together? Um, we've all heard of the Titus two woman, right? So turn with their, turn there with me for a moment to Titus two, um, and we'll listen for the purpose in our godly relationships. I'm going to start reading in verse three, where she says, "Older women, and for the younger women in the room, you're older than someone, right?" This is actually not a chronological age, but a maturity, right? Um, older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. But this isn't just to wives and mothers, because goes, he goes on, Paul does, to say, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, here's the reason that the word of God may not be reviled. Some translations say, blaspheme. <coughs> so, the purpose of our godly relationships is to honor and glorify the Lord, right? Anybody do catechisms with their kids? Anybody know the answer to this one? What is the chief end of man?
0: To honor. Mm -hmm. Holly?
1: And, depending on the catechism, and enjoying him forever, right? We enjoy him by enjoying one another, Mm -hmm. right? We all have the Holy Spirit. When I am enjoying a conversation with Lisa, I am enjoying him because he has given us this common, united bond of the Holy Spirit, right? (coughs) Of salvation, of faith in Jesus Christ. We don't really have to have anything else in common in our lives. But like Jamie said last week, if you find that you don't have anything else in common, find interest in what interests the person you're with, because they'll feel loved. And you might find something that you're now interested in, right? So um, there's, just, there's beauty in that. So encouraging one another, spurring one another on toward love and good works, right? Helping one another grow, and also um, worship. Um, Listen to how Paul opens his letter to the Philippians. And see if you hear encouragement, growth in the Lord, and worship. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in prayer Can you imagine getting that letter? Oh my goodness! Like just read that every day this week as you start your week, as you start your day. What a blessing. What a mindset to put yourself in, right? Not only that this is how we are loved by God the Father, Christ the Son, who we're filled with in the Holy Spirit, but how we can then go love others in this way. Um, I just thought that was beautiful, and it sums all of that up. It's encouragement, it's growth, it's worship, it's all of those things. So when you spend time with a friend and you walk away, do you feel encouraged? Do you feel challenged to grow, and do you feel that common worship of God and what he's doing in your life, even if it's hard? Um, Because I think it's easier to feel what God's doing in our lives tangibly when things are good and we know that there's a blessing in it but there is blessing even in the hard things he's working all of those things for our good and for his purposes in our lives romans 8 28 right nothing that god does is without purpose there are no accidents god is not sitting in heaven going oh no i never saw that coming ever he knows it all So we can trust him because he is trustworthy, right? We see that in this whole book, start to finish. He is trustworthy. So are these your thoughts when you're with your friends, after you're with your friends? Am I encouraged? Am I growing? Are we worshiping together? Um, If you have newer acquaintances, think about how can I encourage someone? How can I challenge them to grow? How can I just worship and praise the Lord with them? Right? Um, So, hopefully, you're seeing the value in asking these deeper questions. Um, Once we start thinking through having those conversations at those those deeper levels, um, we really need to be better listeners, engaged, active listeners. And what she really has trained herself to do, and I appreciate, is to listen for core values. So, we ask these questions about the six dimensions. And then we listen for these core values. She relays a story in the book that was really good. She's at a business lunch with a group of people at a table she doesn't know. She's trying to have conversations, and nobody's making eye contact. Nobody's giving more than one word answers. Like she would, she's an introvert naturally, so she's ready to like run for the hills, eat her lunch, and be done and go home, right? So um, she tries. So she asks a woman sitting next to her. How long she's been in the consulting business. She gets a one-word answer, basically, right? The woman doesn't even look up from her plate. Tells her she started her business when she was 50. This is her response. She says, wow, that's amazing. 50 years old? What happened at that age to make you start a business? And so listen for her response. It's really interesting, the way that this woman responds. Um, She says, suddenly, her eyes gleamed. She turned her face to me, put her fork down, and said, it took me that long to realize my true passion. I was so bored before. And then one day, then she ends the quote there, but she says, the whole table leaned in. Mm. What do we thrive on as human beings? Here it is. We love a good story, right? This woman is about to tell her story because she asked, me how long you've been in this business because she didn't know what else to ask. So how long have you been in this business? Wow, you started at 50? Like, tell me that story. How did that happen at that age? Because most people don't start a new business no. at 50, right? So just ask somebody a question. If you get a one-word answer, one answer, like, ask the Lord. Help me to make this person feel valued and go deeper. Help me understand their story. And he'll give us the words. He'll give us the right questions, right? Um, So anyways, as she's listening to this woman, she realizes that her core value is risk-taking and adventure. And so she starts this conversation at the table about being courageous in business, because she's at a lunch with business people, and they all start talking about, like, risks they've taken or risks they'd like to take or pretty soon there's this vibrant conversation happening because she just looked at someone and said like wow I can see you really value risk taking and like what the picture. And they were off to the races, right? So she tells all of these great stories. Um, she told another story of a colleague that she was trying to connect with and having a lot of trouble connecting. If I remember, right, the colleague was um, an engineer, like a scientist, so it's all, like, just the facts, just the data, right? And she goes over to her office, and she starts asking her some questions. They start having a conversation. They're just having lunch together one day. But they're just acquaintances. They don't know each other that well.
0: And so as the woman
1: is communicating, she starts telling her things about, like, yeah, I just finished this project. She's like, but I'm a little disappointed because it wasn't my best work. Um, And then, like, they go on, and she says something else about – Um, It just, like, she just didn't do quite the job that she wanted to do. So hearing those two things, she goes, I can hear that you really value excellence. Tell me how it makes you feel when you turn something in that you know is not your best work. So they have this whole conversation over lunch. She's about to leave, and her colleague looks at her. So this is an English professor, remember, right, an Mm -hmm. engineer scientist. Her colleague looks at her, and she says, I have so enjoyed this conversation, will you come back next week and have lunch with me again? So she goes back next week. This is now her best friend. They have lunch every week together because she listened for what this woman was communicating. And once she heard it, she's like, ooh, I know what you value. She kind of honed in on it and just said it. Like, that's not being fake in a conversation. It's like, ooh, I'm, I'm hearing that you really value excellence. Um, And how easily would that lead to a gospel presentation? Um, I am pretty sure the woman that is now one of her very good friends is not a believer, but this woman now asks her questions on that spiritual level because she knows that Heather values her relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. What an open door for the gospel, right, to tell this woman how the Lord's working in her life. Um, She references several core values she learned from... um, a man named Tim Irwin, I don't know who he is, but he wrote a book called Extraordinary Influence How Great Leaders Bring Out the Best in Others, so believing the best, right? So here are some that he says. Um, and they're all biblical integrity, courage, humility, good judgment, right? Or we would call discernment. Authenticity, transparency, vulnerability, like authenticity, that's what this is. Um, self regulation, self control. Wisdom, candor, resilience, and influence. So these are all biblical values, even though this is a book to business leaders about making connections in a business world. like These are all biblical values. So these are the things that if we're careful to listen for them, we'll know what's important to them, right? Um, this, it can be hard when you're having a conversation to be thinking on all these different levels, but I think what it is is it's a habit we can build so that it gets easier over time. Um, And if we're all working on this, let's practice on each other, right? Because we should know in this room that when we're asking questions on those levels, we're not being fake. we're trying to establish a habit of going deeper. I wanna know you, so I might start asking you some different questions because I might not know you on all those levels, right? I might not know you on those planes, but I want to. She's like, I hope you want to know me on those different levels, on those different planes, right? Like, but we have to remember we're not all great, like, thinking on our feet. So if you ask a really hard question, i them some grace. Like, ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. I've never thought about that before. Let me think about it. When I asked that young married woman what's been the most surprising to you about marriage, she looked at me and she goes, ooh, I'm going to have to think about that. I'm like, great. And she did. Like, 15 minutes later, she's like, oh, I know what's been a surprise. I'm like, what? Tell me. And we got right back to it. It wasn't, like, weird or awkward. It was totally a smooth conversation. In fact, it was at Park Day this summer, and there was another woman there, and while this one was thinking, this one who's been married for over a decade was like, you know what was most surprising for me when I got married? I'm like, what? (laughs) So it doesn't have to be a new married, right? It doesn't have to be someone who's young in their marriage. Um, But it can be any of these things. So... um, she does ask some follow-up questions in those categories. I'm going to buzz through them really fast um, because we were almost out of time. Uh, but they were really good. So, and it will give you kind of an idea of how she does this. So um, this woman that she felt like her core value was excellent. She says, you feel your best when you're meeting and succeeding the expectation of others. So here's places you could go. Emotional. What does it feel like when you've done a mediocre job? How do you handle that? Cognitive. How long have you valued excellence like this? Like, what's the story behind that? Um, Social. Who do you tend to seek help from? Who helps you succeed? Physical. When you're not at your best, how does it affect your body? Like, does it affect your appetite? Does it affect your sleep? Volitional. What choice do you have if you're in a setting where your best skills aren't utilized? Like, that's a great question, right? Like, how do you handle it when you're put into a position where, like, ooh, this is not my strength? Um, spiritual. Is this something I can say about for you or with you, right? Um, she goes on to talk about um, another, it's another story that she says, you definitely value adventure. Um, I feel like your core value in life is to avoid stagnant and boring days. So the person says, yes, that's right. So cognitive. How do you know when it's an adventure? What counts as an adventure to you? Um, Volitional. What's your next adventure? What will you choose to do? Social. Can I come with you on your next adventure? Spiritual. Why do you think God made you this way? Emotional. What does it feel like when you can't find an adventure? Physical. Why do you think your body craves adventure so much? Like, do you think that's adrenaline? Or, like, what is it about that? Um, So you can ask questions in all of these different categories. Um, and so next week we are going to continue this conversation. We're actually going to be in this topic for a little while. I'm going to be doing some things next week out of this very short, again, power, like very short power packed read called How Should We Develop Biblical Friendship? This is by Joel Beakey and Michael Haken. And it's excellent. There's so much overlap between these three books. They say it differently, but they're ultimately all saying the same thing. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I'll leave you with this teaser. Um, In this book, they say, quote, Friendship is one of the primary means God uses to strengthen his people. So if you want to be strong, invest in friendship. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you for your friendship, Lord, for um, me and toward each one of these women. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to value our friends, to value our relationship with you most highly. And Lord, out of that, that we would love and value our friendships with um, the other women in this church, Lord, regardless of age, um, because we have your Holy Spirit in common. So help us to invest in one another. Help us to truly believe the best about one another, Lord, even when we disagree on minor things. And Lord, would you grow the strength and unity in this church as a result in your name we ask these things Lord and we
0: just ask that you would prepare our minds and our hearts for the teaching upstairs. Mm -hmm. Amen.